On today's show, is Team USA done? And the next update, <laughs> will Luka Doncic be in the next home run derby? Coming up <laughs> but, really, but really, we're going to dive into Spencer Dinwiddie, free agency option for the Dallas Mavericks. We'll get into that on today's Locked On Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks. Dallas Mavericks are NBA champions. mentioned you know blowing these teams out that's never happened so i don't know where you get that so, can i finish and welcome you are locked on to the dallas mavericks my name is nick engstead media member and coordinator for the lockdown podcast network and joining me as always my co-host contributor at mavs.com Tom, the free agency foe, the one more thinking. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? Mavrello has brilliant idea. <laughs> oh, your soundboard. It's amazing. It's the best thing that's ever happened to this podcast. Uh, besides the Mavs Academy Awards. But. You ready for the next, the newest one? The new sound or a new Mavs Academy? New sound. It's a video that dropped today. Oh, the Mavs release. You idiot. <laughs> you idiot. That's incredible. <laughs> When we have how many Cuban options, how many different uses can we get out you of this? You idiot, Mark Cuban saying you idiot. When we get Cuban back on, you got to play it. You got to play that soundbite. What are you? Who are you? We just have a whole soundbite of interview, of clips from him. But you idiot. So we both kind of uh, we both kind of watched the home run derby. You watched more of the home run derby tonight. I did. I, I did. I watched a little bit of it. I I'm at this weird stage in baseball. I just don't know the people. And it's, it's weird. weird. It's weird for me because I probably grew up watching baseball more than I did NBA. And now I'm just I, this dude, like the second batter I've seen, his last name is Olsen. I'm like, are you kin to Mary Kate and Ashley? Are you, <laughs> I don't know who you are. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to watch Joey Gallo because yeah, he's a Texas, Texas Ranger, Ranger and he sucked. So he did suck. His pit um, hit the, the whatever, whatever assistant coach that was like throwing. Yeah. Throwing at him was not doing well. So go listen to Lockdown Rangers and Bryce Patrick for all your Rangers honestly, takes. Honestly, I only tuned in. I just wanted to see Otani. So, uh, that, same. And he's that, the, I mean, he's that, the that, only that, guy that's drawing me to baseball right that now. That first round was pretty fun of him. All that was fun. Pete Alonzo going off. I mean, that was that was fun to watch. But There's your baseball talk, guys. That's all the baseball talk you can get. Probably for the whole year. from, from Exactly. <laughs> uh, on today's show, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. Today, we're going to dive into Spencer Dinwiddie as our free agency profile. We're going to get into the 6.5 guard. He is going to be a free agent, and he's turning down his player option, and he seems like an option for the Mavericks if they're looking for another secondary creator. So we really are going to try to dive into some of the strengths, weaknesses, um, some of the problems he may solve for the Mavericks, roster fit, his availability, price, all that kind of stuff we'll get into. Uh, but first, we want to quickly talk about Team USA because they lost to Australia. They're, oh, like Stein had an incredible tweet that from – like. 1999 to 2000 or like 1999 to 2020 or 2019 team USA was 50, 54 and two in exhibition games. 54. And then the last week they're Owen two, like insane. And I, I think that there's all kinds of takes that are being thrown around. Team USA is done all that kind of stuff. But I think that there is some constructive th things that we can have and talk about from an NBA perspective that leads back to the Mavericks too and Luka and all this. There is this 
there's this, the NBA is different now, right? Like the NBA is so different. Guys are hunting fouls all the time. Guys are trying to create contact. They're trying to just, like, there's so many plays. I think Cranjus McBasketball, like, tweeted a bunch oh, of these. I di- love those tweets, yeah. Yeah, all these different tweets of guys, like, trying to hunt fouls and even hunting fouls off of screens and, like, weird stuff that they were doing that just doesn't fly with feeble rules and international rules. And when they have to just put the basketball down and, like, actually play basketball, sometimes they get pulled out of the game a little bit because scoring is unnecessary in, in the NBA. Like, that, you, you just have to score. Defense is kind of optional because of – there's so many rules that, that take away uh, the defender's power where those rules aren't necessarily there in the NBA. Things like the uh, like the Kawhi closeout rule, right? We saw that real like BS Brooke Lopez flagrant foul in game two of the finals. And Kevin, Kevin Love's Love, not getting that call. Kevin Love's not getting that call in, in FIBA. So it's been really interesting to see some of these highlights and clips and to think about how you, you have to adapt and it honestly makes me more impressed with Luca, right? Like so impressed that he can like vacillate between the two different versions of basketball and be so good with these feeble rules and then also come back and be so good with these NBA rules. Like he's a genius, right? Like there's just something about him that he's able to just like adapt to both sides of it. Oh yeah, man. Can we just take FIBA refs and say, hey, can we, you know, can we replace Scott Foster? Well, and- let's watch let's watch a couple more games before we <laughs> before we make a call like that. Uh, but when it comes to USA, I'm I think you can have your ears perked up a little bit. I'm not like full on um I still think they're like they're the obvious favorites to win the whole thing. But I, I do think it it is it's fascinating just to watch them play against. I watched some of that Nigeria game and just to see the energy and the passion that Nigeria is playing with. And it's like, okay, like we got to have that. And I, I think eventually they, they will get that whenever they get to Tokyo. But just, I, I'm, I'm really just looking at the field. Like who's going to give them, like who's going to give them that, who's going to have the real chance at getting a medal in Tokyo is like so Slovenia after Luca, you know, his games to qualify and all that stuff. It's like, will Slovenia get a medal. And I think naturally, if you've like keeping up with any type of international basketball at all, you're like, uh, okay, fun story, but really, will he really get a medal? I don't know because other teams and you start looking at it. It's like, well, who's the other teams that's going to medal besides USA. I mean, you're looking at France. I mean, France is going to bring back those guys. You're looking at Gobert, Batum, and you know, like, like they have a lot of NBA guys, but Spain's always there. Spain's always like a juggernaut, and the Gasol brothers and Rudy Fernandez, Sergio, like all those guys. You still have uh, Australia, who, I mean, they just beat you know the United States last night. So, and then I think on the outside, I think, do you put Slovenia in that group just because of Luca? I don't know. I think some people Man. listen to this podcast will, but I put them just on the outside, like the fun teams, Slovenia, Nigeria. I think there's another team I'm forgetting that that have in that next group. But is it a, is there a chance that Luca and Slovenia walk out of Tokyo with a medal? I really think they could. And I think that first round, like I think they're better in Argentina. And I think that first group matchup between Slovenia and Spain, I'm I'm fascinated by. Sign me up. I'm so excited for that game. Every year, every year we have like international basketball where these teams, like these country teams, put teams together and send guys out there. Like the identity of your team is so important, right? When it falls into line, when it's okay, Kobe's the guy, and we're all falling in line after him. They they have Durant, but I don't, I don't know if this team is necessarily like we're gonna all fall in line. It seemed like that 
they were just giving it to Damian Lillard, like go bail us out in the fourth quarter kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, and I think with Slovenia, obviously they have Luca, and then everyone else falls in line after that and knows your spot and you're running through one guy. I think it's easier on an international stage like that because uh, you're not going to have a ton of time to practice. You're not, I mean, you're, you're going in there, you're going to play like what less than 20 total games or, or something yeah. like that between friendly, between the exhibition and then the actual games and stuff. Like you don't get a lot of time to try and get that teamwork stuff together. And so if you've had some guys that played together and then you have one guy that you can just run stuff through, I think that's an advantage. So I think Slovenia could come away with a medal. And of course, we're gonna be we're gonna be your Slovenia coverage right here. Everyone else is gonna be covering USA basketball, and we'll talk about USA basketball every once in a while. But we'll be our we'll have uh, at least some coverage post game after yeah. uh, Slovenia games. So well, we'll USA stuff is is weird to me. Weird is probably not the right word, but they just have so many ISO guys, and I, I don't want to be that guy that's you know after these two losses that's really dissecting Team USA roster and be like you know they're what, they not gonna medal. It's like okay, come on guys, like these are all, like all yeah. stars. Like it's like really it's an exhibition players. too, and they just it, came off of the season. Like it, there's so many like factors that go into this. Exactly. Now, if they're rolling out Kevin Love for 35 minutes, I would be like okay, there's you a big problem idiot. right now. <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> But the only thing that's just weird to me is they just have all these ISO guys. And even in the starting lineup, it's like Lillard, Brad Beal, Kevin Durant, Jason Tatum. Like yeah. it's so many of these guys are so accustomed to like just having the ball, go create your shot, do your own thing. And I, I'm just I'm I mean, they have Draymond, they have Bam, they have a couple of those guys. But even if you took out, I think the Damian Lillard spot is the one spot that I think they could look at and say, if you swapped out Damian Lillard with Chris Paul or like a tradition, like a, a non score first point guard, I think that would do wonders for this USA team. And it's not a knock towards Dame. It's just Dame style. What you want, what Dame's best at is scoring the basketball. But that's also what Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum and Brad Beal, all these other guys are best at too. So I, I, I still think they win the whole thing. I think yeah. they get goal. Like I don't, I, I'm not doubting that, but it is a, uh, it is funny seeing all the uh, the fiery takes after two losses. 2016 starting five for Team USA. Do you remember what it was? 2016? Oh, yeah, that was the last Ooh. time they did they had the Olympics. No. Kevin Durant, Carmelo, Kyrie, Clay Thompson, except for two games, DeMarcus Cousins, except for three games. And then DeAndre Jordan, Paul George also started a couple games in there. Mm. <laughs> like that's a bunch of ISO guys too. So like eventually the talent will just will pan out and team USA will win games coming off the bench. They had Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Barnes, DeRozan, green. Remember, remember we did all that stuff for Barnes. Yeah. When Harrison Barnes went, when he made it, uh, also uh shout out to the reporter who, uh, stood his ground with pop after the game. Uh, Joe Varden. Was that him? I think it was. Oh, I thought it was like an Australian. Reporter. Maybe it was somebody, maybe it was somebody else. I saw Joe Varden and pop were getting into it. Uh, well, anyway, I thought the reporter's right. And uh, yeah, Pop just didn't. Uh, Pop's uh, shtick is, yeah, it's been old for me for a while. But some people uh, really enjoy it. There you go. So the, the takeaway from this all is that basketball is different, FIBA and international rules and the NBA. Right? It's just changed a lot. Whatever you think about it, it's different. And Luca's a genius because he can navigate both flawlessly. That's yeah. that's that's the take, right? I mean, let's go fine with that coming up let's get into spencer dinwiddie we'll break it all down do the full free agency breakdown to see if he's an option for the mavericks because he's probably one of our top 
free agents as far as realistic options for the map. So this one is really important. We'll get into it. But we got to name a Michelob Ultra Player of the Week, Isaac Harris. Let's start throwing out some options. Who is your Michelob Ultra Player of the Week nominee? It can be Mavs. It could be NBA. It could be anybody. I, the first one may have to go to Precious Chua, right? Like, for that block on Kevin Durant. I mean, just Nasty. that was an incredible block. Even though he's a Miami Heat, like, what an incredible block he had. Uh, I'm going to go with Jamal Mosley. Hats mm. off to him, landing the job. One. And I'll go a step further and be like, even the highlight clip that surfaced on Twitter over this past week of his playing days. Oh, okay, I thought you were going to say the one with him and LeBron. <laughs> no, of how hyped he was as a basketball player. And after his dunks, he would do these celebrations. I had never seen that clip before, so I was uh, super excited about that, watching that. <laughs> but uh, just super excited for him just to get that start in Orlando. We've talked about it. Uh, multiple times and uh even uh rick carlisle doing an interview with the athletic today giving praise to jamal mosley said a bunch of things about how much of his he's a leader and everything so um sure didn't want him to be the maps coach <laughs> <laughs> yeah you guys can uh read that uh, another nominee we had nico this is from Dwayne price on twitter uh everybody follows Dwayne. nico harrison jason kidd in the building for the dallas mavericks Whichever player you want to take, Jason Kidd, Nico Harrison, uh, they're in there. They're in the building for the Dallas Mavericks. I think that may garner a player of the week as well. So there you go. I think we'll go Jamal Mosley. I think that's probably our our winner there of the week. Brought us enjoyment, brought us excitement. I love seeing the clip of him yelling FU at LeBron on the bench back when he was on the heat. Uh, that was a great clip that was surfacing too. That brought me joy. That brought me happiness. Just like Michelob Ultra, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Joy creates success. So hopefully Jamal Mosley has all the success in the world, uh, except for when they play the Mavericks. There you go. Also, I want to tell you about Theragun. Theragun is a uh, rhythmic per device, percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. And it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether you're an elite athlete or someone like us that's something more than an elite athlete. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets the source of the pain by releasing tension using Theragun Signature Percussive Therapy, which goes 60% deeper. If you've listened to Lockdown NBA on Fridays, we did this ad, and my co-host there, Adam Mares, has one of these, and he swears by it. He says if, he had, if there was a fire in his house, and he had to run out and get like three items. This would be one of the items that he would go grab is this Theragun. So he swears by it. Go get it. Uh, you can get it for 30 days starting at $199. You can try it for free for 30 days. Go to Theragun.com slash Lockdown right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's Theragun.com slash Lockdown. Theragun.com slash Lockdown. All right, Isaac Harris. Let's get into Spencer Dinwiddie, our free agency profile. The 6'5 guard. He's 28 years old. And he's had a really interesting last couple of seasons. Uh, save the contract stuff with the Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, whatever he was trying to do, selling his contract as an NFT, like whatever he was trying to do before. Uh, besides that, he's had a really interesting last couple of years. So he had, uh, he came into the NBA with the Detroit Pistons and was kind of a fringe guy. Played in some G League, didn't really get to play a lot. Then came into Brooklyn. He still didn't play a ton, but he got in there. It was like 20 minutes a game or so. And then he just started moving up the ranks with this young Brooklyn Nets team until eventually he became a guy that they really relied on. And in 2019-20, when the Brooklyn Nets had Kyrie Irving, Kyrie missed a bunch of games, Spencer Dinwiddie became the go-to scorer for that team. And he averaged 20 points a game in 64 games 
uh, playing just about 31 minutes. And that was a season where they didn't play uh, they didn't play all 82 games. So 64 games, it's not like he missed a bunch of games there. Uh, but averaged 20 points a game, just about seven assists per game. And he was almost an all-star, right? Like you had a quote that, um, what was the quote that you, that you pulled that someone called him an all-star? Oh, well, Co- yeah, Kobe told him that he was an all-star in his book. And he he was really, really close to being an all-star that year because, like you said, with Kyrie being out for so long, KD was out, Karis LeVert was out. And that Nets team, you know, they were like a fringe playoff team. They end up making the playoffs, but, and they were like, a you know, the fun playoff team there for everybody to root for. But Spencer Denway was the guy who took up the scoring load on that. And it was like, he had to be the focal point of the offense and he kept them really afloat all year. Yeah, so Spencer Dinwiddie, really interesting guy. He had a player option coming up for this season. It's been reported, widely reported, I think even by him, <laughs> that he's going to turn down this deal. There's been quotes uh, from him that say he's going to turn down this deal. So he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. So he's one of the guys that fits our criteria of being a secondary creator. Would you call him a veteran? I'm not sure I'd call him a veteran just yet. Like he's he's, he's another like a Kyle Lowry vet. Right. He's another one of these guys. He's Like he said, he's 28. He's been in the NBA now for just about... Uh, like seven seasons, but he's kind of bounced. He bounced from Detroit to the Brooklyn Nets, and then he was kind of riding the bench. So, like, he's a he's been around a little bit, I guess. Uh, so, a little bit of a veteran as, there. Kind of like as, Josh Richardson to me. Yeah, as far as age-wise, he's older than Giannis and Embiid and Marcus Smart. But he's mm-hmm. younger than Austin Rivers, Trey Burke, DeLon, DeLon Wright, Oladipo, and Harrison Barnes. He's younger than all those Interesting. Guys. Anyway. So, yeah, I mean, and he's in his prime and the, like a, a, a Mavs like three or four year deal, like a three or four year contract, he would be right in the sweet spot of his prime, right? Uh, so you wouldn't really worry too much about a deal like that as far as age. However, <laughs> there is a couple of concerns because he is coming off of an ACL injury. Uh, he tore his ACL. And so this is kind of a, 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 a big question mark going into uh, this offseason for him. Will he get the type of money that he's wanting because of this injury history? And because of missing that whole last season, because of that torn ACL, what does that mean? How is he going to look when he comes back? Yeah, you. I think you have the quote that he gave Howard Beck, uh, <laughs> you know, about his contract stuff. Quote: I'll go back to the Nets if they give me five years, one hundred twenty-five million. <laughs> That's a quote. Um, because you know, it's like, what is what's his value? Like when he, the last time we saw him at this high level of basketball for him, his peak of his career so far was that 2019-20 season that he averaged 20, all the stuff that we talked about, near all-star, everything. Then he plays three games this season, and he tears his ACL. And it's like, we were. I I was so curious to see what his role would look like on this Nets team because... He was going to be six-man of the year for me. Yeah, like six-man. It's like, would he... Would he buy into that? Like he just came off a season where he was the main guy. Offense going through him a ton, 20 points a game. Now it's, hey, we have all these guys around you. So he tears his ACL three games in. Now he's declining a $12.3 million player option, hitting free agency, saying, I will go back if they give me <laughs> $25 million a year for five years. So where's his head at? Where, where, what does he think he is right now? Does he think he is 2019-20? I want to be the focal point of an offense or is he looking at this, looking at like fit money, whatever it is. You would assume he he expects to be a starter wherever he goes and he would start in Dallas if he came here. But I'm just fascinated to see like what he thinks of himself right now. Yeah. That's going to be a really interesting part of it. 
I do feel like he's sort of a guy that would be a team player, though, right? Just from yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure that there's anything that we've read or seen that would suggest that he's like a you know I'm a definite starter, and if I'm not, then you know maybe he's like maybe he's, to me he seems in the vein of Tim Hardaway Jr. Tim Hardaway Jr. wants to be a starter, but if he did come off the bench and it was a good situation and all that, like. I think he would go for it and he would be a team player in that scenario. Like from everything that we've read about him, it seems like that. But that's just me speculating. That's just me guessing. He could be super diva behind the scenes. Who knows, right? Like <laughs> uh we've we've known cryptocurrency divas in the past in the Mavs organization. <laughs> what is the percentage that Bob and Spencer has already talked? This was my thing. This is my thing. Like when the whole Bob Valgaris story was coming out, the only free agent that that might be a positive, like Bob Valgaris's involvement might be a positive is Spencer Dinwiddie because of all the back and forth knowledge they can share about cryptocurrency and all that kind of stuff that they can talk about. Uh, but we don't know if Bob's still involved. That's still a question we don't have that we'll probably ask on Thursday, which by the way, Thursday is going to be the press conference with Nico Harrison and Jason Kidd and Stint Marshall and probably Mark Cuban. And I think everybody's going to be out there. Uh, everybody except for Donnie Nelson and Rick Carlisle are going to be there to do, uh, to, you know, announce this new, basically this new Mavericks, basically the, the new have. chapter. Yeah. So yeah, Spencer didn't, what, what is he going to be? What does he want to be? He, he would fill a couple things for the Mavericks. He would be that secondary creator. He'd bring some size to the Mavericks for sure. And he'd be that other, like that other scorer type guy uh, that can create and also create his own shot. I think those are big things that he can bring to this Dallas Mavericks team that would be uh, important. So coming up, let's dive into a bunch of stats. Let's dive into some of the things, maybe some misconceptions, and then figure out how he would fit in his availability and how the Mavs could actually make this happen and why they would want to make this happen and why they wouldn't want to make this happen with Spencer Dinwiddie. So here we go. Quickly, let me tell you about rockauto.com with the ever-increasing number of makes and models of cars. So many different kinds. Why would you want to go to a place that has limited capacity for parts? You go there. You have to see if they have the part that you want. If they don't have it, they go back into the back to see if they have it in the back room. And then they don't. And they come back and they order it on the computer. And you could have just done that from your house, saved all that time, just ordered it and got it sent to your place. You can even get parts. And I've heard people do this before where they get parts and they either rent a space like a garage type space where they can put the part on themselves or they take the part to the to the mechanic and like, hey, if you know the mechanic well enough, like, hey, here's the part, put it on my car, right? Like there's certain places that'll do that for you. So save money on the parts, save money on that. By getting them at rockauto.com. Save time and money using rockauto.com. They're reliably low. Uh, all the prices on there are the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right in Locked On. And they're How Did You Hear About Us box. They know that we sent you. Again, rockauto.com. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. All right, Isaac Harris, let's dive into some Spencer Dinwiddie stats. So we mentioned before his best season was last season, 2019-20. So I guess the season before this past season. Uh, 20.6 points a game, 6.8 assists per game. And he shot just about 42% from the field, which is kind of questionable. Just about 31% from three. And then 78% from the line. His efficiency numbers as far as shooting we're not great, but the counting numbers were there. He was asked to be this number one guy a lot of the time. He was asked to create his own shot a lot. There was not somebody yeah. else creating for him at all. And even when the guys were back, it was like Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert, right? These are not like all-time creators or even point guards at all, basically. 
they're these shoot first guys as well. Uh, but he kind of ramped up into that. When he started with Brooklyn, he averaged like seven points a game in just about 22 minutes. And then it was 12 minutes and 28 minutes. And then he upped that to 16.8 when he was kind of a six man for Brooklyn. And then up to that 20 point per game season. So you and I both dived into that 20 point per game season uh, when sometimes like, okay, he averaged 20 and seven. That's yeah. those, are, those sound like great numbers. But what does that actually mean? On top of what we just talked about with FIBA basketball and, and you know, the NBA where scoring is encouraged and all scoring is up and all that kind of stuff and the rules are different. Like, what did you think about Spencer Dinwiddie's numbers when you dove into them that may not, like the whole story may not be 20 and seven? Yeah. Well, I think it's important to also note that they were winning. Like they were a fi- above 500 team when he was putting up those numbers too. And I because I think we look at those counting stat things and this phrase gets thrown out a lot, but you know, good stats, bad team guy. And I think it would be different if Dinwiddie was averaging 20 and seven on a team at the bottom of the league. You're like, Oh, look at those numbers, but they were winning. Like they, they, he was making the most of that team and running that offense. He was, he has good pick and roll numbers with Jared Allen that season isolation that season when he was (laughs) ISOed with the ball, they were 30 and 34 when he played on that Brooklyn Nets team. Okay. Roughly Roughly 500 without missing those guys. 500, but yeah. Yeah, yeah w- with missing Kyrie, you know, Kevin Durant, and Karis LeVert for a lot of that season. Well, Kevin Durant was still with Golden State, but anyway. Really? Right? No, he was there. He was there, but he was hurt. He was hurt. Year, right? Yeah, yeah. Never mind. He was Forget hurt. I said that. Um, but when you, look at, when you look at isolation numbers that, that season. You idiot. That was for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> points per per game, minimum of 200 isolation possessions. These are the guys better than Spencer Dinwiddie, James Harden, Damian Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, then Spencer Dinwiddie. Dang. Top, top seven guy in isolation scoring, points per game, minimum of 200 possessions. Do you want to know how many possessions James Harden had that season? 958 Ooh. isolation. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, but, at, I was looking at isolation too, and I was like, okay, let's do a minimum of two isolations per game, and there was like, 40 or something guys and James Harden was at 14 I was like, good lord he's the outlier though because the other guys on the list yeah, all right. had like in the low 200s like Chris Paul and Tatum well, right, some right. of these guys but anyway it just goes to show you especially in a Maverick sense we want a guy who's going to come if he's going to come play alongside Luca in the backcourt we also want a guy who can create their own shot that you can when Luca steps off the floor is on the bench that we can say can you run the offense can you get us a bucket can you like just just score we need another guy who can score and create for themselves and I think in that sense, Spence, I'm not worried about that. Spencer Dinwiddie at 6'5", 6'8", 6'9", wingspan, can, we could run the offense through him when Luka's off the floor. I have my other hesitations, but that's not one of them. Yeah, let's do a couple more positives here. On isolation attempts, like you said, he averaged uh, 24% of his isolation attempts ended with him shooting free throws. That was the most in the league uh, with a minimum of two isolation attempts per game. Like, that was massive. He gets to the free throw line a lot. He creates contact. He gets to the line. That's something positive. Him and Luca both do that. Uh, he also barely ever turned it over. He, he averaged uh, turnovers on four, 5.4% of his ISOs. So that was really low in the league, too. I think that was, like, bottom five with the, that minimum of two isolation attempts per game. So he doesn't turn it over. He gets to the free throw line. So th- in that way, he's efficient, though. Like, his shots after yeah. that are, are not as efficient. We'll get into that in some negatives. But he gets to the line. He doesn't turn it over. He does score on these isos. He scores in the pick and roll. He just can do all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's 
that's a thing that you want, right? Somebody that can score, and then also he'll create for others too. Those seven assists per game, like we said, yeah, uh, came out came out of all these isolations and pick and roll and drives and all that kind of stuff. Uh, let's go into some of our uh, concerns or weaknesses. Uh, I have one here. Uh, I just mentioned the isolation, like the positives. He also only shot 36.6% on field goals off of isolation attempts. So he did get to the line, but when he didn't get to the line, he like missed 60% of his shots, 65% of his shots, uh, all that. So I think that is a big negative. His field goal percentage in general that last season was really, really low. And we haven't even mentioned his three-point shooting yet. Yeah, his three-point shooting is my main hesitation because – when you're going to add anybody around Luka Doncic, that's always going to be the conversation that you have. Like, okay, can he hit the three? Um, he hasn't, you know, I think 33% was the highest he's ever been in his career. And that was like three or four years ago. 31% last On year. high volume, yeah. Yeah, on high volume. So uh, 29% on step back threes, which you're not really asking a ton of, you know, that from him probably. Uh, the only encouraging thing about it is, on it, according to Synergy, his catch and shoot, unguarded catch and shoot shots, he shot 45% on those shots. That's great. So, yeah. So that's good because you want a guy who can just stand there and catch the ball, shoot the ball. <laughs> Sometimes, um, yeah. But in a perfect world, if you're saying, hey, what's the perfect guy next to Luca, you would want them to be a better, you know, three point shooter um, and, and all of that. So now, will Spencer Dinwiddie, like, how, how does he look alongside of Luka Doncic playing alongside when the offense is not focused on him to where he's playing off ball? There's some uh, there's a, other stats, too, of like when he played with Kyrie, they had th- over 300 minutes together, 120 offensive rating. There's some deeper stats on that, like, you know, possessions in which he caught passes from Kyrie coming off screens and stuff. And his percentage was much higher shooting the three with those. So what does he look like playing alongside of a guy like Luka? Will his percentages be better? I think so. But do I think he's going to be, you know, Craig Hodges? No, I don't. We've been down this road before. I've been hurt before by the will his three-point shooting be better next to Luka. Also, if you know who Craig Hodges is, send me a tweet because that was a really deep dive right there. (laughs) That whole thing that you just said about him being better totally reminds me of the Josh Richardson conversation we had when that trade first went down and, like, you're just – you hope that it's better, right? He's he's definitely a better guy with the ball for sure. Is he the upgrade – like we're, we're not going to compare these two because they're just different players, but it, that all that reminds me of, well, he could be better if blah, blah, blah. And then a lot of ifs have to go right for him to be better. And uh, defensively too. We didn't mention there. There's not a, um, I wouldn't say there's a extremely positive narrative around his defense that he, no, he struggles it's, at it's very like clouded. There's some, like there's a couple, I read a couple like, Nets bloggers that said he was good on defense, and then everybody else who said it was like either he's fine or he's bad. <laughs> like, but so, at least he has size. It's not like he's composite yeah, out right. there. Okay, at least he's six five with That's that you know, six eight six nine wingspan. A uh, couple other uh, weaknesses on pull up shots: twenty nine percent field goal field goals on pull up shots, and twenty seven point seven percent on pull up threes. And he took three point nine per game in that that season. So I mean that is. That's like a, that's a lot. He, I mean, he he shot 31% from three and he took 6.3 threes per game and almost all of them were pull-up threes and he just did not shoot well on those. Uh, that tells you that his catch and shoot was better, but that that's, that's a problem because if you are asking him to create his own offense, create his own shot, he was not super efficient on that. Does Do things change in Dallas when he can play off of Luka? 
all that kind of stuff. Sure, it could, but that's not a big sign. That's not a good sign. Again, he's also coming off of an ACL injury. That's a that's big question. That's the biggest thing right now, yeah. Big question mark right now. Do you want to have Dinwiddie that could be injury prone, that just is co- trying to recover off this, as well as Porzingis? Like, don't you want a sure thing there? Uh, that's a big question. And, and, like, what what are you comfortable paying him? You haven't seen him since he played his third game this past season. He tore his ACL. And he's coming off the ACL. We know all that with KP. What are you willing to pay? Because combine that with the Nets comment that he said, hey, if they basically give me 25 a year for five years, I'll be back with the Nets. Also consider that he turned down the player option to 12.3. So what yeah. does he want? Like, does he want, is he expecting 20 million a year from a team? Somewhere between 12 and 25, right? We have a we have parameters. Yeah, so it's like, is he expecting, you know, is he looking at a deal like Bogdan Bogdanovich? I mean, this was a three plus one deal for Bogdanovich in Atlanta at 18 million a year. Is that something that he he wants? Is that something he will settle for in his mind? Is that something that Dallas would give him coming off an ACL, coming, you know, being a player who can't really who isn't a knockdown three-point shooter? All right, like how do you feel about that? Like, if you had to hand 20 million a year to John Collins or Spencer Dinwiddie, who are you handing it to? Like, that's where I mean, some people or, are like, or Tim Hardaway Jr. Right, like those are your options, right? Yeah, now. like somebody, some people are like screaming at the screen, you know, like the screen right now. If you're watching on YouTube, it's like, oh, I would pick this player, whoever it is. But like, that's what I'm, I'm so curious on what he wants because even if you're the Nets, I think that you know the Nets are gonna say, hey, well, we want to sign and trade with wherever he goes because they want to add to their team. They don't care about paying the luxury tax, but they don't want to lose him for nothing. If they could turn him, turn that into a sign and trade with the team, you're, you're not going to tell me right now that the Nets wouldn't take Maxi and somebody else on that Dwight Powell on that team. Dwight's better than DeAndre. So like Jordan. Would, yeah, <laughs> they would take both. They would take both those guys <laughs> right now. I'm not saying Dallas would, but that's the I'm just and if he doesn't get the long term security would he take a one year high money prove it type deal? Like if Dallas came in and said, all right, we'll give you one year, 23. It, and it's like, how would the fan base feel about that? That would be tough because the Mavs then they would keep his rights. So you'd have to either hope that it really pays off for Spencer Dinwiddie or yeah. you just lose him. And then you don't have a way to replace that talent because you don't have the cap space because of Luca's big deal. See, I wouldn't uh, like that because that would mean if you're doing that deal, that means you're probably letting go of Tim Hardaway and yeah, you're losing Tim Hardaway and risking losing Dinwiddie in a year. And then you have nothing of either one of those guys. So I I'm not all out on Spencer Dinwiddie. I'm not, I'm kind of on the fence about, I think I'm more, it feels a lot like John Collins, right. In in a different way. Yeah. In a different, in a different way. I, or no DeRozan. It feels like DeRozan the way, the way we talked about DeRozan's like, okay, if you brought him in, you could, you could see how it worked. Dinwood would be less than less money than DeRozan. He would fill different roles, I think, but yeah. do similar things. And you're like, okay, I can talk myself into this. It's also like what teams are going to go after Dinwiddie. Like I could see the Knicks going after him. I could see Miami going after him. Another reason we're talking about Dinwiddie too is I think it was actually in a report the other day. The uh, New York Daily News, I think, said that the Mavericks had interest in it and added him before. Um, oh, those those classic articles. The Mavs are showing interest yeah, in classic. somebody. Like, oh, here we go. Colorado guy uh, knows Tyler Bay. Tyler Bay. When I talked to him after he got drafted, Tyler Bay was really talking up this Colorado uh, brotherhood uh, between the guys of him and Dinwiddie and uh, Robertson. And the leader of that is Chauncey Billups. 
Mm. Uh, so I wonder if Billups will try to go get a Colorado guy at some point in Portland. But um, so, yeah, he would have a connection here. And I I think his fit next to Luca, he fits what, you know, even Mark Cuban said, you know, last week or two weeks ago saying, hey, we we need a guy who can like help Luca out, take that offensive load off him, a bigger guy on the wing. Spencer Dinwiddie, like DeMar DeRozan, fits that bigger guy, 6'5", 6'6", bigger wingspan who can create for himself. It's just a matter of how much are you willing to pay for a 28-year-old Dinwiddie who's never been an all-star, who's coming off a torn ACL. And are you ready to hand big time 20 million a year to Dinwiddie and and pay combined $50 million a year to two guys in Porzingis and Dinwiddie who've torn their ACL? That would make a lot of people feel very uncomfortable. This is me checking the comments, trying to see what people are saying. There's some That's a wild wasteland right there. <laughs> Shout out to everybody in the comments. What do yes. you think about Spencer Dinwiddie? Let us know. Would you rather have Spencer Dinwiddie? Would you rather have DeMar DeRozan? Would you rather just keep DeMar Jr.? Those are kind of the options the Mavericks have there, right now. There's a world, though. I will say, there's a world that you can you could sign Dinwiddie and it, make it a, a, a sign and trade and still keep Tim. I think there's a world. Because I don't, I don't think all the teams are going to be lining up. And I could be totally wrong on this. I don't think teams are going to be lining up to hand Dinwiddie $20 million a year. I just don't or think Or Tim will. Hardaway. Who will get more money, average annual money this offseason? I think Tim has more than Dinwiddie. No, I think Dinwiddie will. Interesting. Well, yeah, I don't know. Do you want to put a board bet on it? <laughs> we could put a board bet on it. I think also uh, there's just so many of those guards, like we've mentioned before, the Evan Fournier's, the Reggie Jackson's. The, there's so many of those guards like that that uh, I don't know I if just, the market for Tim Hardaway will be would be bounced up enough. I just feel like everybody wants shooters and Tim is a 40% three point shooter. Yeah, true, true. Dinwiddie has to like, he needs the ball. He's not a 40% three point shooter. You say, Hey, just run him off everybody. So I, that's where I'm, that's why I'm curious. Like who goes after him? I think i ultimately think it is a sign and trade. I don't even think it like, I don't see a, a really bad team going after Dinwiddie this off season. I could see it if it's not a Miami or a Dallas. I could see a team like the Clippers, whoever, saying, "Hey, we want Dinwiddie, and we'll do a sign and trade and give you a piece or two, so you can help your, you know, championship team." And there you go, guys. Let us know what you think about Dinwiddie. We'll be back all week again. The pressers on Thursday. We'll have it all for you here on Locked On Maps. Boom. Can I can I finish my statement? When you talk, are you going to let me finish my statement or not? So you'll be quiet now while I talk, and then I'll listen to you.